Okay, well, today we're going to cover the faithfulness of God. And let's start over in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7, if you would. It's part of a series called Theology 101, in which we're studying about God. And it's part of that series in which we're looking at some of the attributes of God. Now, this is going to be the final attribute that we would call a communicable attribute, and that is an attribute that we can emulate. Um, Lord willing, we'll spend a couple more weeks on the attributes of God, some non-communicable attributes, the omnipotence, the omnipresence, and uh, a couple of those things. And then we'll finish up. We'll have, a, bless you guys, with a guest speaker, and then we'll get into one of the Gospels, probably the Gospel of Luke. And so we'll get back studying the Bible line upon line, precept upon precept. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to turn to some verses and we're going to look at the faithfulness of God. And some of them I'm just going to share with you. And if you would, write them down. And later on, I I really encourage you, because remember, our heart as a pastor, our heart as leaders and teachers, is that you would learn the Word of God and that that would just work in our life and that we would become a healthy congregation. And so you got to get into the Word. you got to get into prayer. You really have to be serious about your walk with the Lord. It can't just be a Sunday thing. It has to permeate your entire life. And the faithfulness of God is an awesome, awesome attribute. We read here in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Look what it says in verse 9. It says, Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God. Notice it says the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Here we see the Lord saying to the children of Israel, I'm entering into a covenant with you. You're about to start a new life. And I want you to know that I'm a faithful God. I'm a God who keeps his covenant. It's kind of interesting. We see this in the beginning here in Deuteronomy. We're going to see it later in the book of Revelation at the very end. The Bible says that God is a faithful God. It says that Jesus is faithful. As a matter of fact, it says in Revelation 19.11, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. God in the very beginning reveals himself as a faithful God. In the very end, he's a faithful God. He returns to execute justice. In other words, he will keep his word. He is loyal to his people and he is true to what he has said. He's a steadfast, consistent and faithful God. The Bible describes him as that, regardless of how we are. You know, it's kind of interesting. A couple of times in the New Testament, we read about God being faithful. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, it says, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the Bible reveals him as a faithful God, not just a perfect people, even the carnal Christians there in Corinth. God is still faithful. And it's hard to find a faithful man nowadays. I've got to be honest with you. I stand here today not based on my faithfulness, but on his faithfulness. You sit where you are today, not because of your faithfulness, but because of God's faithfulness. And what that does is that really takes the pressure off. And then I follow into his footsteps. Don't get me wrong, man. I am trying my best to be a faithful man. But I'm not there yet. I thank God. That he's faithful. He was faithful to the Corinthians. He was faithful to the Californians. He was faithful even sometimes when we're not. 
He's faithful in the beginning. He'll be faithful to the end. He will take care of you. Why? Because that's who he is. Later on in his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul said in chapter 1, verse 18, God is faithful. And it's so important for us to know that as we live life as a Christian. As a matter of fact, we should not only say God is faithful, we should display that God is faithful. Because what ends up happening is as you begin to live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ, you, what you do is you display to the world the faithfulness of God. That's what George Mueller did. You guys probably know his story. He's a really, really, really cool guy. Um, he was a pastor for over 60 years. God used him to provide for 10,000 orphans. But the thing about it is that I've shared with you guys before, the reason he did it was not necessarily for the orphans, although he did love them, is that he wanted to show through his obedience how faithful God is. That's what he said. He said the first and primary object of the work was and still is that God might be magnified by the fact that the orphans under our care are provided for with all that they need only by prayer and faith without anyone being manipulated or asked by me or my fellow laborers whereby it may be seen that God is faithful still and hears the prayers of his people. You see, because if you can explain it, maybe God didn't do it. But when you pray, you get on your knees, you get on your face, you begin to walk by faith, you go against the grain of this world, you stand out as a testimony, then people begin to say that God is real, that God is true and that his ways are right. He's a faithful God. And it's a wonderful attribute for us to look at today. You know, a lot of times people don't know really what faithfulness is. The Hebrew word, it means to be firm. It means to be steady. It speaks of one who is trustworthy and honest. It communicates a certain certainty about the individual. There are just some people that you can count on. There are some people who you just know, there's no question, they're not going to be a Judas. There's some people that you just know, they're loyal, they'll be there with you, they'll be there for you, they'll show up when they said they will show up. Because they're faithful. Now, again, we as human beings, we fall short. I encourage you guys, be so careful. You don't get your eyes on anyone because they'll always let you down inevitably and eventually. But God will never let you down. He's loyal to you. He's true to you. Every single word that he's ever said to you will come to pass. And it's an awesome thing when you study that. The Greek word for faithful, it speaks of, again, that certain certainty. It speaks of a person of truth and justice, one who is observant, steadfast, and true to his word or promises. The Ravel Bible Dictionary defines the faithful as one who is reliable, again, trustworthy, loyal, going on to say that which is faithful, steady, and true, and it's the supreme example of faithfulness is found in God. You know, the Old Testament views faithfulness as one of the most wonderful of God's qualities. And we are secure. Why? Because he will never betray our confidence in him. You see, God is a faithful God. God is loyal. God is true. I was talking to my son about this on the way over here. And it was so cool. He was telling me, you know, well, how does it work, Dad? You know, how does, you know, the faithfulness of God work? And I said, you know, nowadays we sign contracts. And nowadays we've got, you know, documents that are this thick just to make sure that you follow through on your word. With God, it's not like that. With God, it's kind of like the olden days. 
Your word was true. His word is true. And we're going to see that ultimately rooted in the scriptures today. First thing I just want to share with you guys is that from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible says that God is faithful. The second thing I want to share with you is the extent of that faithfulness. If, if you would, turn over to Psalm 36. And I just love the way the scriptures just kind of illustrate his faithfulness here. If you read in Psalms 36, it says in verse 5, Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Isn't that cool? His faithfulness reaches to the clouds. You know, every once in a while, I'll be honest with you, I sin. I mess up. I'm not just going to say make a mistake because you, you should stop doing that. You know, stop saying, well, it's a disease I have. No, it's sin. Okay, it's sin in your life, right? And all of us probably do that every day. Some of us do it probably more frequently than others. And there are those times where you have bad days and they begin to kind of pile up. Man, next thing you know, they're out the house. Next thing you know, they're by you know, the telephone pole and you're thinking, oh, Lord, it's over. It's over. You know, the calling is over. My life is over. And, you know, again, you never take those things lightly, but, you know, the Bible says that his faithfulness is like, it's like the clouds up in heaven. It's that high. The Bible says so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As the clouds, as the skies are above the heaven, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him, you know, and that's the faithful God that we serve. You know, one of the favorite verses, I think, in the Bible is over in Lamentations 3, Most of you probably know it, verses 22 through 23. It says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. See, we're not consumed, even though we should be consumed. To whom much is given, much more is required. Some of us here, man, we really know the Bible well. And God is really, for you especially, man, there's no excuse. To whom much is given, much more is required. You know, but it's through his mercies that we're not consumed. And what does it go on to say? It says, his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know, you're wondering, like, what do you mean, God? God, What does it mean that God's a faithful God? It means that God is faithful to exercise his other attributes, his grace, his holiness, his love, his forgiveness. You know, like I've shared with you guys many times, man, I wake up in the morning and I thank God that, you know, this, the sun is rising, that the world is spinning, that the birds are singing, that my heart is beating, that I'm breathing and that I'm not given what I deserve every single day. I thank him. And I'm always encouraged by that verse, that his mercies are new every morning. Because I know this, that in my life, I need that new beginning. I know what happened yesterday. Sometimes they're good days. Sometimes, you know, they're bad days. And man, there's just something about waking up and saying, here we are, it's Sunday morning, October 3rd or whatever, 2010. And it's a new beginning for us. It can be a new beginning for you. You know, some of you here, you have not been walking the way that you should be walking or some of you here you know that the devils beat you up or you beat yourself up or others you know the devils used others I, I don't know where you're at some of you here are doing pretty good but most of us here find ourselves struggling and so what do you do you got to understand that today is an opportunity for us to have a fresh start with the lord now i'm not talking about religion i'm talking about a relationship with him you know, in which you understand the faithfulness of God. It says, through his mercies we're not consumed. You see, his mercies are new, the Bible says, every morning. 
You know, we see, first of all, the existence of his faithfulness, and then we see the extent of his faithfulness. There they are as high as the clouds. There they are every single day, his faithfulness towards us. The Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 90, your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. You know, God has taken care of us, and it's so cool to see that. Psalms 89, verse 8, really, really cool verse if you want to turn there because look what it says. I, I was, I was kind of like, wow, Lord, this is really cool the way you reveal yourself. It says in Psalms 89, verse 8, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord, your faithfulness also surrounds you. It surrounds him. That's an awesome thought when you really, really contemplate that, you know. It kind of reminds me, and we're going to look at a verse later in which the Bible says that even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He has obligated himself and he has entered into a covenant to love you and to be loyal to you and to care for you constantly. He is under this. He is in this. It, it literally, the Bible says, his faithfulness surrounds him. And that's an awesome thought. C.H. Spurgeon said that God dwells in faithfulness and that this is the girdle of the loins of his only begotten son, who is the express image of his person. None in all creation is as faithful as he is. You know, and when I tell you guys that, you know, we're not as faithful as God and they're not as faithful as God, you know, I'm not telling you guys that you shouldn't have friends and you shouldn't have mentors and there aren't people that you glean from because there are. We need each other. We definitely do. But there must be a great distinction between the way that you look at your fellow brother and sister and the way that you look at God. I mean, God is a faithful God and he will be there for you. He will take care of you. He is surrounded by his faithfulness to constantly watch over you. You know, another incident we had on the way in today is, um, you know, we're getting ready to go on the freeway. And as we're just about to enter onto the freeway, all of a sudden I see a little, a little brown creature run underneath my truck. It was weird. It was really fast. I had absolutely no time to uh, react. But all of a sudden I heard, you know, I, I heard it and I felt it. Ta-da. Okay, so real quick, I look in my rearview mirror and I see a squirrel and he was plastered to the asphalt. And I told my son, Aaron, I killed it. I killed this squirrel. I can't believe I did this. Oh, I feel so bad. And I was like, really, really hurt. Wouldn't you guys, if you killed a squirrel? I mean, they're so cute. <laughs> and I felt so bad. And Aaron was like, Dad, it's all right. It's just an animal. And uh, I said, no, Aaron, it's it just something about it. It just hurts. I said, well, did God know about that? And he always, you know, takes me there. I'm all, you know what? He did. <laughs> The Bible says that he knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. Huh? A sparrow, of course, that would then you know, go over to squirrels and then, and then ultimately into your life. You know, we're all going through things. All of us here have challenges here. I have you know, challenges in my family and challenges in the flock. And man, each and every one I got to take to the Lord. And I got to know that he is faithful, even though I'm not faithful all the time. You know, and I don't take that lightly, but what I do is that I, I trust the Lord. You know what? He will build this church. Jesus said he would. I will build my church. 
and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. He is faithful. That's why I stand here. And in your family and in the ministry that you're involved in and in the callings of life and the situations that you're crying out for, provision and salvation for that one and on and on and on, all the different things, it really encourages me to know that we serve a faithful God who never takes a day off. He's aware of everything that's going on and it's all part of his plan. And we're going to see that the more you embrace this, the more God can use your life. He is a faithful God. He will never, ever fail you. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Psalm 37, I love this verse right here. Because look what it says in verse 3 of Psalm 37. It says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Oh, I love that, you know. I love that. Because God is taking care of you. Anybody here, just out of curiosity, has anybody here ever died of starvation? Just out of curiosity. No, we haven't. He's always given us food, man. He's always taking care of us. He will take care of you. I promise you, according to God's word, that whatever it is that you need in life, he will be faithful to provide that for you. You need forgiveness? Check it out. He'll always provide that for you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what that does is it strips away a lot of the worries, a lot of the fears, a lot of the things that get in the way of us being the people that God wants us to be. A lot of us here are spiritually anemic because we are not feeding on his faithfulness. Look at how far he's brought you, man. Look at where he's brought you. Here you are on a Sunday morning. You're seeking the Lord. You're in his word. And for some of you here, I know you kind of got dragged here or whatever by the Holy Spirit. But some of you here, you really wanted to be here. Look at what God is doing, whether he drug you here or you came here on your own. God is awesome. And he wants to do a great work. And we need to feed ourselves on his faithfulness. Now, the interesting thing, the word feed, it really it has a word meaning more like being a shepherd. Uh, literally, it means faithfully fed, led by your good shepherd. And there's just something about knowing that I'm his sheep. There's just something about knowing that the Lord is my shepherd. He really is that allows me to feed on his faithfulness. Because he takes care of you every day, every single day. You see, God is faithful even when we're not. Now, of course, I always say that with a whole bunch of, you know, caution signs to you guys because the last thing I would ever want you to do is to go out there and say, well, you know what, I can just go ahead and do whatever I want because God's faithful anyways. No, it doesn't work that way. But I'm talking about those of you who are, you know, trying to serve the Lord and you want to do the right thing and you're growing in your relationship with the Lord. You know, even when we fail, the Lord is faithful. And sometimes even when we kick against the goat, he still has a great plan for your life. And I know it's different with individuals and nations, but when dealing with the children of Israel, look at where God's brought them. And eventually he's going to bring them to salvation. Did you know that? Is it because of their faithfulness? No way. It's because of God's faithfulness. As a matter of fact, we read in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 33, However you, God, are just in all that has befallen us, for you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. And there are some here, maybe you find yourself in that situation. You know, one individual said, whomever falls from God's right hand is caught in his left. 
You know, and I don't think anybody can ever steal you out of God's hand. The Bible says you can't, but you can jump out. It's so cool. He'll be there to catch you. Why? Because he's a faithful God. We read in 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And what that means right there is God is faithful to either protect us or to punish us. He will follow through with his threats. He always, always keeps his word. And that's why I really encourage you to read the Bible. Read it for yourselves. You know, I thank God for the way that I sat under different teachings growing up and the Lord and, you know, reading different books and hearing different studies. But in all honesty, I must tell you that the, the words that have really stuck deepest in my heart have been the words that I've read in my devotional life. Have been the words where, you know, you know I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but, you know, there's a temptation to go watch television But instead of watching television, what you do is you just go into the other room and you read your Bible. I know it sounds radical, man, but that's God blesses that. When you get a good book and you begin to to, to read it right now, I'm reading a really cool book. It's called The Radical Christian Going Against the Grain of the American Dream. And so many people are caught up in the American dream and it's really an American nightmare. Because we've lost our passion, we've lost our fire, we've lost the absolute surrender to live totally and completely for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's all about the 401k or whatever. You know what? The retirement plan of God is much greater. But, you know, we've got our American dream. And you know what? If things might work out for you. You might have everything lined up. But in the end, you'll find that God wanted more for you. Because God will test you. Do you really trust him? Is he your provider? You got to take steps of faith. You got to follow the Lord. You got to be in the word when, you know, there's a temptation to do a million other things. Because when you're reading the word, you're feeding on his faithfulness. And you see all these promises that God gives you and all the challenges and the clarity of what life really is as a Christian. It's about you going home and being with him in heaven and taking as many people with you as possible, period. It's about living a life of obedience and in that, bringing glory to God. Your life will stand out. There'll be a passion. We need God. You know, the other day when I was there at the community center and they asked me to do the invocation and the blessing. And, you know, all the city officials were there, the mayor, the city council, all the people, city planners. I mean, you name it, all the police officers that were there. And they were there. They were receiving meritorious awards for the things that they did in the line of duty. And, you know, these guys, they got huge hearts. Those police officers, pray for them. Pray for our firefighters. They may not die every day, but they're willing to. Because they make themselves targets, right? You know, and so they're good guys in one sense. And all the guys that I've worked with so far, man, they're really good guys. But, you know, I shared with them. I said, you know what? You guys are, are, have done these heroic deeds. And, you know, in one sense, you're the best of the best. You're the cream of the crop. But remember this, that the best of men are men at best. You need God. We all need God. We really need to start living for the Lord. He's a faithful God. And as we yield our life to him, it's so amazing what ends up happening. We realize that he still loves us. And I'll tell you this, man. He's worth living for. He's worth 
absolutely surrendering your life to him. He died for us and he constantly cares for us. You know, sometimes when he exercises his faithfulness towards us, he disciplines us. The Bible says in Psalms 119 verse 75, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. You know, we're going to learn in life a few ways. Either we're going to learn the easy way by reading the Bible, maybe learning it from other people, or you can learn the hard way by going through those things and making mistakes and sins and mess-ups. important thing is that you learn. And maybe some of you here, you're being disciplined by the Lord. You kind of find yourself in situations or things and God is disciplining you. My encouragement to you is to learn from that. Learn from it. What is it that God wants to change? What attitude is it that needs to be repented of? Because we can't carry on. You know what that is? It's insanity. You keep doing the same thing that you've been doing and you think it's going to change. It's not. God says, listen, I've afflicted you in my faithfulness because I love you and I'm doing the work in your life and I really want you to learn. We need to learn. You know, God's faithful and it's very practical in our life. Uh, One I made mention of earlier, but let's go over to Titus chapter 1 and we'll look now at a few things in which I think it's, it's real practical. You know, just taking the faithfulness of God into our hearts. And here in Titus chapter 1, it says in verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict, convict those who contradict. Now here, Paul is telling Timothy, these are the qualifications of a bishop. And one of the things he tells them is that he's got to hold fast the faithful word so that he can then be able to do what he's called to do. Now, all, not all of us are bishops, but we need to do the same thing. We need to hold fast the faithful word. And what that means is that everything about this Bible, Jesus said everything would come to pass. Every jot, every tittle would come to pass. And that's why we hold fast this faithful word. We don't despise it in any way. And in doing that, what ends up happening is we fall in love with the faithfulness of God because we realize, it says in verse 2, that God cannot lie. He can't. Joshua chapter 21, verse 45, he told the congregation, everything that the Lord said he would do, he's done. You know, and I think that as we really get in tune with the Lord, one day we're going to die or we get raptured. One day we're in heaven and we'll have a barbecue there or something. I don't know. We'll have a powwow. We'll have a meeting. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to high five each other or we're going to say, wow, everything he said, it was true. It's true. And we're going to worship him. We've got to hold fast the faithful word. He's never lied and he never will because God is a faithful God. It's very practical. Revelation 21 verse 5, it says, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Repeat it again in Revelation chapter 22 verse 6. These words are true and faithful. And if God made you a promise, understand he will keep that promise. Everything here we see is true. He hears our prayers. He knows our our cries, our thoughts. He keeps our tears in the bottle. I wonder if one day we're going to go to heaven and God's going to show us the bottle. 
Imagine that, man. You see the bottle. Some of you here have five-gallon jugs there in heaven or whatever, man. And you're like, wow, Lord, those are all my tears, all the tears that I cried all my life. And God's going to say, yeah. I mean, you know, his word is true. We're going to see the way it's true. Some of you here, you're praying for your loved ones. And you're like, Lord, will they ever come? And sometimes they'll give you a word and say, yes, they will. They'll come. They'll come to me. You watch. You just keep praying. George Mueller was a faithful man. He prayed for 51 years for his friends to get saved. They didn't get saved until after he died, but they got saved. God had given him the personal word that it would come to pass. You know, I read a story about an individual. His name was Roger Sims. And one day he was hitchhiking home. He had just gotten um, done with his military service. How many of you here have hitchhiked? Just out of curiosity. I'm just curious. Hey, Joey's even hitchhiked. That's pretty interesting. Man. <laughs> I kind of wish I would hitchhike. I don't, I've never, we can't do it now, I guess, because times have changed. But that must have been a really interesting time to live in. This guy was hitchhiking. He had just got out of the military service. And he said he would never forget the day. It was May 7th. And his suitcase was heavy. He was anxious to take off and to go home. And so flashing his hitchhiking sign, he saw an oncoming car coming his way. But once he saw it, it was a brand new black sleek Cadillac. He thought, oh, then they'll never pick me up. But to his surprise, the car stopped. The passenger door opened. And so he ran toward the car. He put his suitcase in the back and he thanked, I guess it was a handsome, well-dressed man as he slid into the front seat. And so he asked him, going home? He said, yeah, I sure am. And so this individual, his name is Roger he responded, well, you're in luck if you're going to Chicago. And he said, well, not quite that far. Do you live in Chicago? And he said, yes, I have a business there. My name is Hanover. And so here's Roger and Hanover, and they're having this conversation. And so after talking about many things, Roger, who was a Christian, he felt a compulsion within him, it's kind of like you guys do sometimes, to witness to this man who was somewhere around 50 years old. Apparently he was a successful businessman and he knew in his heart he needed to share Jesus with him. But he kept putting it off, kept putting it off. Until finally he said he was about 20 minutes away from his home and he realized this and it's now or never. And so Roger, he cleared his throat and he said, Mr. Hanover, I would like to talk to you about something very important. And he then proceeded to explain the way of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And to Roger's astonishment, the catalog pulled over to the side of the road. Now, Roger at first thought he was going to be ejected from the car. <laughs> but the businessman bowed his head and he received Jesus Christ. And he thanked Roger. He said to him, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. The interesting thing is five years later, Roger had then gotten married. He had a two-year-old son now and he had a business of his own. And one day he was packing his suitcase and there was a business trip to Chicago. And so he said, well, since I'm going to Chicago, I'm going to look up Mr. Hanover. He had given him his business card. But when he went into the business, the receptionist told him that it was impossible to see Mr. Hanover, but he could see Mrs. Hanover. A little confused as to what was going on, he was then ushered into an office and he found himself face to face with a woman in her 50s. She extended her hand to him and she said, you knew my husband? And Roger told her yes. He told her how her husband had given him a ride when he was hitchhiking home after the war. And she said, can you tell me when that was? And he said, well, it was May 7th, five years ago, the day I was discharged from the army. And so she asked him, was there anything special about that day? 
And Roger hesitated and he wondered, should I tell her the story? Should I tell her about my witness? But he figured since he had come this far, he would take the plunge. And he said, Mrs. Hanover, I explained the gospel to him. And he pulled over to the side of the road and he wept against his steering wheel. And he gave his life to Christ that day. And when she heard that, he said explosive sobs came from her body until she finally got a grip on herself. She then said, I prayed for my husband's salvation for years. I believed that God would save him. And so Roger said, well, where is your husband? And Mrs. Hanover said, he's dead. He was in a car crash after he let you out of the car. She said he never made it home, but apparently he's made it home to heaven. And what she learned in that story was that God really is a faithful God. And what it does, you guys, is it encourages us. It encourages us to go forward and to know that he knows everything that's going on. He hears our cries. I mean, we're going to see later when we get into the omnipresence of God that there's nowhere we can go where he is not right there. And as you really begin to learn about the faithfulness of God, it encourages you. His word is faithful and true. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. We've got to stop wavering, you guys. Without wavering. Well, Manny, why can't I waver? Because the Bible says, For he who promised is faithful. When we're there in heaven one day, not one's going to be missing. We can rejoice in that. God's word is faithful and true. And when we truly exercise faith in the faithful one, then God will use our lives and wonderful things will happen. How many of you here want God to use your life? Just out of curiosity, right? You really do. How many of you here want wonderful things to happen? I know we all do, right? Don't you? Well, then we've got to believe in his faithfulness. As a matter of fact, if you read Hebrews 11, 11, it says, but faith, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Real interesting verse because when you read that verse right there, what you find in studying the life of of Sarah is that, you know, at first she didn't really believe because remember the story back in the book of Genesis, what had happened was the Lord had revealed the fact that he was going to bless them with a child and Sarah laughed. She's like, there's no way. He's too old. I'm too old. It ain't going to happen, right? And, you know, for those of you here today, maybe you have gone through days of doubt, valleys of discouragement. Maybe up to this point, your faith hasn't been that strong. But God wants you to learn the lesson from Sarah that it can change. Because what ended up happening was eventually as she began to spend her quiet time with the Lord, eventually as God began to work on her heart, eventually she, she grew in her faith. And what ended up happening is just then, then she judged him faithful. Now that's an interesting word as well. She judged him faithful. She didn't just say he was faithful. She judged him faithful. She took all the evidence. She took everything there. And she made a final formal decision that God's word is true. And I believe... And because of that firm and final judgment in the, in the faithfulness of God, it says that, that she something happened in her body, that she conceived a seed. And through her and in her, God would then bless the whole world. 
You see, and that's why it's important that we understand the faithfulness of God. You know, because God wants to use our life, but he's not going to use it if you're there doubting disciple, man. God wants us to have that faith in the faithful one. You know, we know she didn't have a perfect faith, but it did eventually come around. And your faith, our faith, it needs to come around today. You see, when you know his will and his ways and his word, when you know that God is faithful and true, it carries you through all the trials. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, it says, that, Therefore let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. There you are, and you're going through the hard times, and you find yourself in the trials, and God says, commit your souls to Him. Just give your heart to Him. Why? Because he is a faithful creator. You know, very practical things. You know, one uh, scripture I think that is real practical in discovering the faithfulness of God is over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would turn there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says in verse 13, that no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, when the temptation comes our way, you know, a lot of times we'll make excuses. And you've got to be careful with that because if you're a Christian, who lives inside of you? God. And if you're a Christian, and now it says the, over, the temptation has overtaken you. Think about that overtaking you. Okay, not just a temptation kind of like tapping you on the shoulder. No, it's not like that. I mean, this temptation is just, it's just flooding you, right? And that happens sometimes. The devil and his arrows and just so many ways and so many lies that he sends our way, right? This temptation just overtakes us. God says, I want you to know this, that you don't have to sin. That you don't have to, you know, sink in the miry clay like that. You don't have to give in to those thoughts or those ways of the wicked one. There's an exit sign there. There's an exit sign there. God says, run. Run to the exit signs that I provide. If the fire department makes us have exit signs, you know, for the safety of the people. Let me tell you something. God does too. And God says, listen, I want you to know this, that all through your life, every day, not one temptation will come your way. Others are, are going through the same thing that I won't give you the strength to bear. We want to bury it. God says, no, you bear it, man. You come through that. Why? God is faithful every single time. Well, what about this time? And this is too much. And I don't know about that. God says, every single time, I'll be there for you. See, that's the faithfulness of God. But then what happens if I do fail? Well, that's when we read 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, right? Where it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, when we read the scriptures, we see over and over again God's faithfulness and it's very practical in our life, whether it be keeping us from falling or when we do fall, to lift us back up and to dust us off and to say, you still got work to do and I'm still with you because I will not divorce you. I'm a loyal God. I will stay pure. I will stay loyal in fidelity all the way for the rest of your life. 
1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24, it says that he who calls you is faithful, who also will do. And God will do that work, body, soul, and spirit. Your future is firm because God is faithful. But you say, well, I don't know, Manny. I'm going through spiritual warfare. They've got a big demon on my tail, man. And maybe some of you here do, man. Maybe some of you here are really making a difference. And so, I don't know, but maybe there's a big demon or a host of demons on you. And listen to what the Bible says. It says in Second Thessalonians 3, 3, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we could just go on and on and on and seeing how faithful God is. I pray that that would sink into your hearts and that would encourage you every day for the rest of your life. You know, we see the communicable attributes of God and these are things that we can emulate. And we see it first of all in Him. And real quick, you guys, I just want to encourage you to follow in his footsteps. How many of you here would agree? Faithfulness is an awesome attribute, huh? Faithfulness is a great characteristic where you can say, hey, will you do this for me? And it follow, it gets done. Why? Because, you know, they're a faithful individual. And they say they're going to do something. Guess what happens? They end up doing it. Why? Because they're a faithful person. We see that in God. He is, his word is always true. He's always there. He's loyal. He's honest. He's true to his word. He's firm. He's steadfast. He will always be that way. And, and now what God says is, I want you to begin to do the same thing. I want you to begin to be the same way. I want you to pray, God says, that you would be faithful. You know, it's hard to find a faithful individual nowadays. It really is. Most people nowadays are fickle rather than faithful. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 6, it says, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? I'm faithful, I'm faithful. And God says, are you sure? Are you sure? They're hard to find. Hosea 6, 4. It says, O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud. And like the early dew, it goes away. See, if it goes away, then it's not real. It needs to stay. Psalms 12, verse 1. It says, Help, Lord, Oh God, help, for the, un- for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. It's hard to find a faithful man, but with God's grace, we can be that. Proverbs 28:20 20 says, A faithful man will abound with blessings. And one day when we stand before the Lord, guess what he's going to measure? Will he measure your fame? Oh, look at how famous he is, or how funny he is, or how... Fine, she is, whatever. A lot of guys, the girls are on the, caught up on the outside about the way they look, you know, and their beauty and the exterior. And you know what? That's not really what it's about, you guys. There's got to be that inner beauty. There's got to be that, that faithfulness in the heart. And one day that's what God will judge. First Corinthians 4, 2, it says, It's required in stewards that one be found faithful. And the Lord said that one day when people come before him, Matthew twenty five twenty one, he will tell some, well done, good and faithful servant. As a matter of fact, he's going to tell them you are faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. And so what I want to encourage you, if you want to embark on that journey of being faithful, start in the small things, start in your thoughts, start in your pennies and your purchases, start in the way that you are steward of your time. And then your talents, start in the small things. 
Luke 16.10 says he was faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And so you start with the small things and then God begins to show that hey, this individual can be entrusted with more. What's God looking for? God is looking for faithfulness. The story is told of an 11th century German king. His name is King Henry III, who one day he grew tired of life in the court and the pressures of being a monarch. And so what he did, what this king did, is he applied to a monastery and he wanted to accept a life of contemplation. He wanted to be a monk rather than be a king. And so the religious superior of the monastery, Prior Richard, is reported to have said to the king, Your Majesty, do you understand that the pledge here is one of obedience? And that will be hard for you because you have been a king. And so the king responded and he said, I understand. The rest of my life, I will be obedient to you as Christ leads you. Then the prior responded to him and he said, then I will tell you what to do. Go back to your throne and serve faithfully in the place where God has placed you. And that's exactly what he did. When King Henry III died, a statement was written, the king learned to rule by being obedient. And so like King Henry III, we too often tire of our role and our responsibility. And like King Henry, we too need to be reminded that God has placed each of us in a particular place to be faithful there, be it as a plumber, an accountant, especially as a mother, father, husband, and wife, whatever God expects us to be faithful in, we have now the capacity to do by His Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says in Galatians 5.22 that the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits there mentioned is faithfulness. And so I just want to encourage you guys today to know the faithfulness of God in your life, man, that He's loyal, He's true to His Word. And I encourage you today to look back on your life and to feed on His faithfulness. As a matter of fact, is it okay if I close by reading a Stephen Curtis Chapman song to you guys really quick? Beautiful song. Let me read to you what it says. It says, As I look back on the road that I've traveled, I see so many times He carried me through. And if there's one thing that I've learned in my life is my Redeemer is faithful and true. My Redeemer is faithful and true. Everything He has said, He will do. And every morning, His mercies are new. My Redeemer is faithful and true. And I encourage you guys to get caught up in that. You look back on your life He's been faithful. You look forward. He'll be there. He'll take care of you. To stay, abide in Him, rest in Him, remain in Him, and He'll bless your life. And you're wondering, well, Manny, how long, how long do I have to be faithful? The Bible says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Believe and receive the faithfulness of God. Meditate, contemplate, and then emulate the faithfulness of God. Father, we thank you for who you are, Lord. And I thank you for your beautiful people that you love so much. 
Lord, don't let the enemy do anything. Lies, division, none of that, Lord God. I pray in Jesus' name that you cover this beautiful body with your blood and that you keep our hearts inclined towards you, Father. That you do a new work, Lord. Today your mercies are new and I really do believe that for some here, Father, it's a new beginning. It's a new start, Lord. And so I pray that today you would stir us up, Father. You would lift us up. You would cheer us up, Father. That you, by your Holy Spirit, would speak to us, Lord, and just help us to take all these verses that your word shares about who you are. And Lord, that you would allow us to then go out and to live in the highways and the byways, the valleys and the alleys, that we would come in and then we would go out, Lord, as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. That we would go out with a message in our lips, a message in our lips. Jesus, the world needs to hear about Jesus, Lord God. And that there would be a message in our hearts, a message in our hearts, Father God, even for ourselves, how we need to hear about Jesus. Lord, we just pray that we would never get sidetracked with the American dream or whatever it is as this world tries to stuff down our throat, God. But I pray, Lord, that in our heart we would get caught up, captivated, totally sold out, to live a life for you, Lord. Thank you again for your word and thank you again, Lord, for just bringing us together, Lord, for the work you're doing here in Calvary Chapel, Almani, the, the work that you want to do, Lord. Please, I pray, Lord, do a great work. We do love you. We do praise you. And we ask together, in Jesus' name, amen.